Welcome, all you creatures of the night and late night prowlers. This is the latest podcast episode in gore and guts, slasher screams and squeals, and all the things which conjure up your nightmare. To be afraid is accepted, but it won't save you from the dangers which leer right over your shoulder and breathe down your neck. When the lights are out and the night is still, the beating of your heart will give away your hiding place. It will find you, and it will not be forgiving. This is... It records. <laughs> Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. That the power of Christ compels you. It's alive. Oh, it's alive. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. What's blood for? If not for shooting. I'm your number one fan. We all go a little mad sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, one and all, creatures of the night, for joining us once again for the It Records podcast. We're so happy you could join us here today, tonight, whenever you're listening. I am one of your hosts, Matt Johnson, emerging from the shadows to delve deep into the movie of the week. And I'm joined, as always, with the ever-charming, intelligent, charismatic co-host of the show. Yeah, Lindsay Clark here, everybody. Lindsay Clark That's is here. me. <laughs> and we have the uh, fan favorite, uh, <laughs> creepy headline creator, star of the show, Pete Hansen. Peter Hansen is here. Thanks, Pete. We're glad we could get you. You're, you're a fan favorite all-star. Um, you'd be on the all-star edition of this show. Uh, the All Star Survivors. That's some high praise, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you'd be on the villain side, or I guess it's heroes versus villains, not all stars? That's a little, a little different. <laughs> but anyway, I guess that can lead us kind of into the first segment that we usually do for the show before we launch into the movie. We do, what are you watching, horror or otherwise? to the show. It's time to find out what the terrible trio have been watching. Or who has been watching them. Uh, Pete, I guess you can start with us. Have you finished all those seasons? Or are you uh, making your way through? I'm still making my way through. I'm on... I know it's a controversial season, because I've I've read a little bit of of Head. Like, it seems like... It seems like it'd be a really good season because it's a returning season, which I really like. Uh, it's a season Game Changers. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that season at all. I I have not seen it. Uh, yeah. So no. uh, something very controversial happens between two different players. And I could go into it if you don't care, but it is pretty messed up. Which players? Um, uh, Matt on. Varner. He, okay. he played second season. He was in Australia. I believe it was the second season. Then I should know. Yeah. yeah, he came back. Uh, this is his third time on the show. And then another contestant, Zeke, in this, his, his second time. So he was on Millennials versus Gen X. And then this is the Game Changers season, which was right after. Okay. I haven't gotten to the episode yet, but um, what's controversial is that, like, 
I know Zeke like confides in Mark Varner because they're both gay. Um, but somewhere along the way, Zeke lets Matt Varner know that he is trans, and Matt Varner brings it up at tribal council to like, um, like he basically he outs him out and like uses that against him to try and get him voted out. And that's, that's, yeah, that's what happens. I haven't seen it yet, and I don't know how that plays out, but, like, that's obviously horrible. Yeah, that's dirty as hell. Yeah, like, I know, I I think he gets promptly voted out immediately, like, after that happens, like, which is good, but, like, still, it, it still happened. No, I didn't, I didn't know about that one. But now I have to check yeah, it out on Hulu. I spoiled that for myself before. Like, I think I, like, forgot about him. Because I was, like, I always look at, like, I like reading about, like, strategy, survivor strategy in Reddit um, when I'm, like, done with the season. And, like, his name got brought up before. And, like, I recognized his name. And I was, like, why do I recognize his name? And I was, like, I thought because he, like, won his the second season I was in because he was playing, like, a really good strategy game. And then, then we found out, and then we were, like, able to, like, Courtney and I were able to, like, oh, no, it's, we know him because of this controversy. <laughs> yep. It's just this. Okay. So, what season is that? Do you know the number for Survivor? 34, I believe. 34. Okay. You're so getting hope- near the end here. Yeah. It's been a ride, I bet. Yeah, it, it's been less than a year. Like, that's crazy. I know I didn't start from season one, but Corny did. <laughs> and Corny wants to go back and watch seasons one through six with me once we're done, because, like, I think we're going to catch up before the new season starts. So they're doing a new season. I know they, nice. like, They're filming it right now, is yeah. what I know. They know they have, like, kind of paused for a while because of the pandemic. Yeah. So yeah. Halted. Okay. So Pete's been... Working on his working his way through yeah. the Survivor series, but on a, a happier note, you know, uh, I didn't finish the movie yet, but I started watching A Hard Day's Night on oh. HBO Max. I never watched it before. I got I have like twenty minutes left. Okay, I would love to hear what you think of that when you're done with it because oh, I it's haven't great. seen it either. It's great so far. I, I really I like. I I personally like the Beatles a lot, and like uh-huh. obviously, like you know, they stole music, obviously still like them but they like were able to steal so much music and which helped them be better but i think (laughs) the movie is still enjoyable for me like it's like fun and it's like very like british as like very i think they're i think they're all actually pretty funny in it like they you know i think they all have like charisma like you kind of forget that like they're they're musicians for a reason because they they're charismatic people i assume you've seen that movie matt (laughs) oh yeah i used to have i used to have the hard day's night movie poster um i thought you did yeah i used to have it doesn't surprise me (laughs) used to have it yeah i have a bunch of their albums so yeah i've seen i've seen it um many times do you have the isn't it isn't it in criterion do you have the criterion release (laughs) no i don't think i own any of them like the uh their movies is help the other one yeah um i do have the anthology um, I have that, which is like a six series box set, but uh, not anything that they've done. But okay, Pete is surviving it up, loving the Beatles. Check, check. 
and uh, I guess I'd throw it over to Lindsay. I'm trying to think last time. I don't. I think Dawson's Creek got a pin put in it. Um, was the last last thing we had kind of talked about. I forget what else you've been watching horror otherwise. Um. Yeah. So I've had a little bit more time lately. So I uh, started Cruel Summer because there's been all these advertisements everywhere for that so show. So I <laughs> too many. You could argue, but uh, it worked. So I started watching, and uh, I'm hooked. It is. Uh, I've only watched four episodes. I think the fifth one just came out this week, so I got a, um, I got something to watch this week. But it is like, it's just one of those shows that like gets inside your head and you think about it, you know, um, for days and then because you need, you don't need sleep, you need answers. And uh, <laughs> I'm just very, very bothered that it's on Freeform and not like on Netflix or something, and that shows like not all released, um, you know, yet. But uh, I definitely recommend it for anybody who likes, like, thriller type of shows. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just obsessed. So that's pretty much the only thing I've uh, been watching other than just trying to keep up with Riverdale. You know, the usual. <laughs> what is Cruel Summer? Like, what's the, the general plotline of it? Because uh, I might not be in the target demographic because I, ha- I have not heard. I have not been on the marketing side of. Where have you been, So Matt? much Hulu. All my Hulu. <laughs> I like fucking advertisements for it. It's either yeah. either that, and then or I'm getting like, or when I'm watching Survivor, I get this OnStar fucking commercial that's like depressing as hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the only two commercials I get. Pretty much. Um. So basically, there's like this. There's these two teenage girls. I guess one of them is like popular and like goes missing, and. uh this other girl who's like seemingly unrelated pretty much just steps in when this girl goes missing and kind of takes over her life and i couldn't really understand that when i read the description i'm like what do you mean like she just took over her life basically like the girl this other girl who is like very popular she's kind of nerdy i guess um somehow she like has this transformation where she becomes popular she gets she becomes friends with that other girl's friends she uh, starts dating that girl's uh, boyfriend. And uh, then there's just kind of like um, a lot of mystery that unfolds like within. Um, and then basically um, they kind of say like, who you think is telling the truth? It's it's so like complex, but basically, <laughs> um, you know, they both could be lying. They both be, could be telling the truth. Um, you know, there's a lot of inter- intricacies about it, but basically... I mean, we just don't really know. I feel like I'm babbling about it because I just, there's not really a good way to explain it. But basically, um, it's a mystery and uh, somebody's lying um, and someone's telling the truth. Or that's what they want you to think. And we'll just start it too. So it's early into the show. So it's hard to mm-hmm. describe a whole series. But Exactly. The question so I don't have, know exactly where it's going. Where, like, you said she takes over her life. Is it she's supposed to be, like, a doppelganger? Or it's just, like, she's a different person, but she kind of just assumes the roles of the other person? Right. The, the uh, latter. So, because I was just, like, I don't really get it. They, like, nothing alike. Like, I'm not, like... Um, but, yeah, she basically kind of just, like... The way they um, frame it is that she kind of just stepped in and kind of took her friends, took her boyfriend, and life moved on. Without those other she girls. She filled the void. There was a power vacuum and she stepped in. She filled it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
the lightning rod. So it's very interesting. But that's about it. So what about you, Matt? What have I been watching? Uh, I've been watching this movie that we're going to talk about today. Trying to think of other movies I've watched. TV shows has been where it's at. Sopranos has been on the docket. Been trying to work on with Sopranos on HBO and Arrested Development. My girlfriend (laughs) had never seen it, and I'm I'm a big fan. So we're watching it from start to finish. Oh God, the last season's so bad, though, man. Oh, I've seen them all. Yeah, Um, and it came out several years after I think the fourth one, which the fourth one was years after the third one. But I think season four is okay. Yeah, I do too. That was um, the first one on Netflix, right? Yeah. Yep. And then five is split up into two parts, I believe. Yeah, it was. And part one, I would say, is slightly better than part two. Part two, I would say, is actually completely irredeemable. <laughs> like, it's just, like, not good. They were just stretching it. Uh, trying to stretch the series as long as they could when, like, people were busy. I think there's a lot of big people on that show, and you have to get them yeah. all there and, like, try to sell it. And, like, Portia... Right, she wasn't really even in it. Like, she she's not of, acting anymore. She yeah. she she's uh, quit acting. <laughs> so it's like you just took her out of the whole show. Um, but anyway, I still love the show. I think people should watch it if you haven't seen it. The first three seasons are golden. Um, <laughs> those ones, those are on Fox originally, and those two TV shows for sure. I've been watching. I'm sure there's some other ones out there. But I've, Scream is the horror movie I've been watching. I just watched Scream, I think, last week. I also I also rewatched it recently. And it was great. Um, one thing I picked up on that I, I, you know, didn't really consciously think of all the other times I'd watched it is when Jamie Kennedy is sitting at the party and Ghostface is coming up behind him. Um, and he's like, Jamie, look behind you because he's yelling at Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. Yeah. But he's literally talking about himself. Like the that's joke funny. is, he's saying "look behind you," but he's saying his name too. Yeah, that's, that's like an, funny. Another level of meta to it. <laughs> I never thought about that. That's actually really funny. Yeah, but that's all. That's all I've been watching. Really, that's the only horror I think I've been uh, been watching um, since last time we talked. Except for this one, which can roll us into this film. Uh, just for a recap, if you've been listening, last week finished up like our final film in a, in a trilogy series that we were doing of Wes Craven films, where we did Hills Have Eyes, Red Eye, and People Under the Stairs. Now we're kind of going back to, you know, those one-offs, some of our favorite picks, the movies we want to watch. Um, and this week, um, we did the 1988 film, directed by Chuck Russell, The Blob. I believe this one was Lindsay's pick this week, correct? The, the Blob? That was right. Yes. Was there any particular reasoning for um, the blog for this week? The main reason was the fact that Pete sent me the DVD. Um, So, uh, (laughs) you know, it was like two birds, one stone type of thing. And uh, yeah, so that was the main reason. Um, But yeah, kind of just like, I mean, it's an late 80s film. So um, I kind of had some hopes that it was... uh, you know, one of those campy kind of um, horror flicks. And I definitely think you could call it that. We can get into that a little bit more. But um, I definitely had, like, some killer clowns from outer space, similar vibes, um, mm, which I absolutely adored. Um, and so, basically, it was pretty much what I was hoping it would be. So, um, yeah. 
I just wanted to see it, hadn't seen it before, and had a great opportunity. So. Okay. Pete, I'm, I'm assuming since you, you lent the DVD to uh, to Lindsay, you have seen it before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay. of course. Okay. So I, I don't remember the first. I want to say it was probably at ISU renting it from the uh, movie RIP. fan. I want to say, yeah, I want to say it was that. Or it could have been the time. It's either that or when I shared a Blockbuster membership with two of my friends. And <sighs> what we did that summer, great summer, by the way. You know, the membership was $15. We split it three ways. Um, it was one movie. It was like unlimited rentals, but you could only get one movie at a time. So what we would do is go early in the morning when we're hanging out, rent a movie, watch the movie, go back to Blockbuster, and, and do. We did that like whenever we did that, we would watch like three movies in a day. That sounds like an awesome day. Oh, it was great! I yeah. loved it so much. We watched so many movies. Oh, that's such a dated concept now. I feel like if people are in the generation or Gen Z below us would be have no idea that feeling or like a, going into a blockbuster, what that is. Like, I kind of miss that feeling. I really miss that feeling, honestly. Because, like, obviously the convenience thing is nice. But I feel like, I don't know, the, the thrill of finding a movie that you, like, you know, especially a popular movie. They're like, they have, like, five copies of, like, it's all gone. You gotta get it. You gotta check behind gotta, the plastic case. Yeah. You gotta get it. <laughs> well, there's it a great a time. And there's a great documentary on Netflix called The Last Blockbuster, if you haven't watched it, uh, about this like, concept. It's really focusing on Blockbuster, but it does encapsulate that whole feel of like a movie store, like a local movie, like going to the store and that experience. Um, and it's a really good one. It's on Netflix. And if you were you know, traveling through the aisles of a Blockbuster, you might come upon this film, 1988's The Blob. And if you don't know it, never heard of this one in pop culture, uh, the synopsis of this one is a deadly entity from space crashes near a small town and starts to consume anyone in its path. Uh, panic ensues as shady government scientists try to contain this horrific creature. That is the blob. Would you like to hear a creepy headline for this one? Oh, would I ever. <laughs> no, we would. Would I ever. Stop the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. How many How many do you think I've actually done? Like three? <laughs> uh, Maybe at, towards the beginning, it was pretty consistent, like almost every episode. So, you know, you're probably in the double digits. I'd say you're in the double digits somewhere. <laughs> so, it's like, rare, but a very special occasion. I it did it. It's, what was really funny earlier is that, like, you mentioned the creepy headline, and I was like, that's why I said it's funny you say that because I was looking one up, like, trying to find one. I was like, I'm going to surprise Matt and find one. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. So, I haven't even read it yet. So, we'll see what it looks like. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the the title the headline is mysterious alien like living being with no brain and seven hundred and twenty sexes unveiled so already crazy um, yeah. it has no brain is bright yellow and has seven hundred and twenty sexes it isn't something out of a horror movie but rather a new organism dubbed the blob it looks like a fungus and can digest food despite having no mouth or stomach it has no legs and yet it can move. It has no eyes, but somehow it can see food. It can also heal itself in two minutes. Scientists also say it can learn, but adapt, admit they are baffled by it. The blob is a living being that belongs to one of nature's mysteries. Bruno Davids, uh, director of the Paris Museum of Natural History, 
Frankfurt Reuters, or however you say that newspaper, I always forget. <laughs> it's named after a 1958 Steve McQueen movie, The Blob, which saw a gooey alien live form engulf everything it came across. The Blob goes on display at Paris Zoo this weekend. And this was, what was this? This was October 17th, 2019. Yeah, this, this is an awesome, yeah, this is like a very relevant story, because they call it The Blob. But I remember reading this. Like an NPR article. Do you really? Yeah, because I remember like bringing like I was reading it. And I was like, "This is scary. Like this is like a weird creature that can like they they they're baffled by it. It very much resembles the blob." Yeah, I remember like reading about it. I did. I haven't really researched it since, but I do remember looking at this story when it came out a while ago, and it's crazy. It's super. That is wild. Yeah, and it, like absorbs information from like touching things. Or something like that. That's how it like learn. It can learn things. That's fucking like, weird. I'm very uncomfortable with that. Yeah, and uh, that is very it. alien. That is very alien like. Yeah, that that one that's super creepy for me. Yeah, like and it it really hasn't been discussed since like they found about it, found out about it in the parasuit. Like, I haven't really heard any updates on it. No, yeah, so, it, like, it, it probably consumed the scientists and now yeah. it's making this way. <laughs> Here, who knows? The ocean. It could we could be living inside of right now. We don't even oh, know. We, you know, we probably are. We, that's probably what happened. That's that's the <laughs> reason coronavirus happened. It's this blob. Yeah. Well, if we're inside, at least we're you know we're alive and we feel <laughs> okay. We're not consumed like the people in this movie. But even as your your creepy headline stated, um, the name came from the blob based on the 1958 movie Stephen. Mm-hmm. We're doing the 88 version, so this is a remake of 30, 30 years after uh, that original movie uh, starring Steve McQueen. Now, has anybody seen that one? The original one, the 58? I have. No. You have. What does it all mean? Does my life have any purpose? At any rate, this movie surely does. It's time to discuss the horror significance. That one very much like falls into. At that point, it was. I mean, I feel like there were a lot of alien movies, sci-fi movies, yes. and like because the space race might have been happening, and also like the atomic movies. So, like, yeah, a lot of like you know, like Godzilla, obviously, like Atomic Panic movies. Yeah. I like Twilight Zone had so many of these episodes where like people were like infected by like atomic bombs or whatever and the military was getting involved yeah or yeah that that comes to mind invasions of the body snatchers um definitely around this time for sure so then you flash forward um which i think just before flash forward to 88 is that steve mcqueen's first appearance is the blob 1958 is that his first appearance (sighs) If not one know, of the earlier ones. That's a good question. I thought I actually thought he was kind of old in it. But I, I think maybe they made him look older. Because, let's see, he's in Bullet, right? But that's yeah, the 60s, that's a, though. That's 68, so that's 10 years yeah. after. That's year. a good question. I got his IMDb up. It's, it doesn't look like it's his first one. First appearance on, on, any, on a TV show. Okay, well, here's TV shows. TV series, TV series. Probably his first big movie, though. It's his first big movie. The first movie prior to this was Never Love a Stranger. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Second movie he did, The Blob. So, hmm. That was a good guess. He was still pretty green. 
Yeah, definitely. And now everybody knows Steve McQueen. I thought he looked old in that movie already. When I first, like, I haven't seen it in years, and I thought he looked old in it. Either he got, either he started late in acting, which is very true, could be very well the case, or they made him look older in the movie. I feel like they made him look older. I think he was supposed to be like middle aged and he was like twenty seven or twenty eight in the movie. Okay, yeah, I, I, thought he looked, I thought he looked middle aged in the movie. I, I remember thinking that. Yeah. Um, when I watched it, and I remember this was a long time ago. I remember not liking the original one that much. I think it was like too campy for me. Yeah. I think I don't know. I haven't. I mean, I haven't watched it in like probably twelve years, so I have to reevaluate my 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 thought process when I rewatch it. You know, and that's really great to talk about before we kind of launch into 88's version. It's 50, 58 uh, takes place, you know, right in the middle of like the, well, I guess, what, the Red Scare or commun- communism and yeah. all that was going on, the space race. Um, and I feel like just the movie in general, though, specifically the movie, it's very, it's B-movie, campy, uh, has a cult status now. Not as terrifying, for sure. Like the fifty, I feel like the Blob was very slow moving, almost comical in a sense when you're watching yes. the fifty-eight version. Yes, and and I don't know if that was the intention when it was out, but just very slowly paced. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I feel like the special effects were just like also very very obvious, you know. Oh, most definitely. I can only imagine. Yeah, what they had to work with. Yeah. 30, 30 years prior to this movie, 88, which, you know, Flash Oh, yes, that's what I was referring to. I haven't oh. seen the 58 one. Oh, gotcha. Which I think the 58 one is on HBO Max. We'll plug for anybody who wants to watch it. It is. That. Yeah, you can you can check it out on there. Um, but the 88 version, um, I had not seen, um, so I was going in with fresh eyes on, on this one. Um, and it was... Uh, I'm not going to give away my Defender Destroyed, but... Uh, <laughs> I guess we can just kind of start talking about the movie in general and thoughts on it um, as we go into it now. But it was directed by Chuck Russell. I'll start there. And Chuck Russell um, was pretty big around this time. And actually, he did right before this, um, not, I guess a couple, just a couple years, he was Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Oh, um, uh, okay. So I think we've talked about that one on the podcast as being, you know, a better a better sequels. Sorry, what was that? I said one of the better sequels. Definitely, yeah. And I think he met his, the co-writer of this movie on the set of, of Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Um, so that's his background into the movie. So we can kind of, I guess, launch into 1988, if you will. Uh, we're kind of... The, the start of the movie is like a real slow pan, I think, of the entire, the entire city. And unbeknownst to me, one of the first characters we meet is Flag, played by Kevin Dillon, uh, which I was unaware was in this film. I was unaware of the entire cast of this film. A lot of surprises that will come <laughs> up in this film that I did not know were in this one. The Sheriff, I feel like, was like a rememberable face. The Sheriff, that's a good one. Um, I gotta think what he was in. But, yeah, I Kevin... I always forget, D- but he's like... I just feel like he's in a lot of movies. Jeffrey DeMunn. Um, he was in The Green Mile. He was in The Mist. Yes. He's also in The Hitcher, so he's in that. Um, Flag, played by Kevin Dillian, brother of Matt. Is he in The Walking Dead? Ooh, he could be. Um, 
I'm not as familiar with. Or am I confusing him? Is he kind of? I feel like he kind of looks like Dale. You know, I'm talking about the old guy that was like in the earlier seasons. It's probably not him though. It is him. He's Dale. Oh, okay. Well, I, I was... 2010 to 2012. Yeah. He was also in The Walking Dead. So kudos on that piece. But I, I was immediately drawn into this film. Um, super 80s. I feel like from oh, yeah. <laughs> from the get-go. Um, really really enjoyed Kevin Dillon's hair, which is a super awesome mullet. All mullet. <laughs> yes. And he plays like the tough biker, I guess, rebel type character. That seems almost pulled from like the 50s. Like some of these archetypes, like you have the cheerleader eh. and like the jock guy. Um... And then him as like a the biker like outsider, reference to his brother Matt Dillon in the Outsiders. Right. Feels like he's playing him. I feel like eighties movies very much emulate like a lot of fiftiesness to them because like I feel like I feel like how people were really reminiscent of the eighties like for the past like decade I would say people were like oh yeah the eighties was a great decade I feel like in the eighties people were like you know what was a great decade the fifties <laughs> yeah. Like, it is, like, everything's, this, like, running nostalgia. Definitely. I think, like, culture gets recycled or something. Like, a new generation, you know, sees a different uh, things that were popular at a certain time. Like, I feel like some things in the 90s are coming back. Like, people yeah. are doing things in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, people are watching a lot of Friends again. I know a younger generation is getting into Friends, which, by the way, is, like, 30 years ago. Uh, <laughs> the 90s. Uh, <laughs> which means, like, we're, like, 30. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh it's almost been a minute. Almost yeah. thirty yet. Let's let's let me not age us too quickly. I've been saying that I'm like thirty to kinda ease the pain next year. <laughs> Just yeah. to not to surprise try to, yourself. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be like, uh I'm already I'm used to this. But yeah. Literally this We are twenty nine for anyone wondering out there, okay? Yeah. We That's are great. we all are very similar ages, like within you know, thirty days of each other. But yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I literally this week was just like, this was a, a thought that came in my head was, this is my last year in my 20s. This is, I got, <laughs> I got like mm-hmm. seven months left. It quickly I know, faded. But, but it was counting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It crept up in there. Honestly, like when I think of like 1981, anyone born like early 80s, I'm like, yeah, they're like 25, which means I'm like 12. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. They're perpetually twenty five. Well you're born in the eighties, yeah, you're twenty five. Like ten years from now. <laughs> That's great. And you're like, oh fuck, I did that math way wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stuck in the two thousands, I think. Yeah, time stopped as soon as we hit the new millennium. Right. I mean, <laughs> everything after that is just whatever. What's your what's your what year do you think it is? Like do you like I feel like for me it was mm. like Good question. Like, like 2012, I feel like, was, like, a good year. I don't know okay. why I say that. I think I just remember, like, you know, like, hanging out a lot with friends, seeing a lot of movies, not really worried about a lot in life. Yeah, we were 20 then. Not a lot of worries. For me, I feel, like, stuck in 2004, honestly. I was watching a lot of MTV, you know, back probably. when I actually... Yeah, but I, don't, I didn't watch The Challenge yet. It was a couple of years later, but... Um, back when they showed, like, more stuff than just, like, ridiculousness. Yeah, on a loop. That really is all they show now, my god. 
<laughs> it is ridiculous how they show ridiculousness. But maybe that's what they're going for. Yeah, and it's so ridiculous. I'm going to look this up. That there's a spinoff. Do you guys know the spinoff? Are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, is I thought it was a joke. You know, and then I was like, no, I looked it up. It's a real thing. What is the name of it? Deliciousness. Deliciousness. Thank you. Yes. Thank Are you, you kidding? Yeah, it's a spinoff. No, I was. I the only reason why I know that is because I went to my friend's house recently and they watch a lot of YouTube, and so they just put on like a best of ridiculousness like compilation. I was like, that's an interesting choice, but okay. <laughs> I guess I'm I guess I'm in this for this ride while we're talking and then have this on in the background. And then I was like, man, how long has this fucking show been on? And then there's like another there's that forever to answer that question. Um uh, Deliciousness is one spin off. They also have another spin off show. I can't remember. Why what it's am called, I not though. surprised? Two spin-offs? There's I mean, two spin offs. I mean it's like a super cheap show. Like it really is. Like that's oh, why yeah, I mean, like, Cash Point O is still on. It's just like it's taking ending, free videos. Thank God. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, that, that's been on for like some time. At least ten, a decade. At least, yeah. It was on when I was in high school. Yeah, which was according to Lindsay's math, like uh, two years ago for us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> uh, P.T. Your point about like people in you know the eighties thought things were cool in the fifties, and just different generations picking up on you know things that were cool in the past. Like I've done that probably when I was growing up. I thought things in, like the sixties or the seventies were cool. Like my mom grew yes. up with, like the Beatles. Like I was obsessed with them, up past tense. <laughs> We're like still continue, are continued <laughs> presently. I always feel like I, I think that's how like it was. Like you know, excluding the bad qualities of John Lennon that you give off, like John Lennonness. You know what I mean? I'm excluding I the bad qualities anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate I don't give off the bad quality. I'll yeah, take, absolutely I'll take, not. I'll take the good ones, but. To, to, to rev up that, that idea of, you know, things from the 80s, thinking things in the 50s were cool, this movie directly kind of pulls off a remake from the 50s, but the horror genre was doing that a lot at this time. Like, The Thing, which was big and is probably the best mm-hmm. remake, maybe not the best, but up there, was a remake of a it, 50s movie. I think it's probably one of the best remakes out there. I would agree, but the, when, I, when I said that I thought of another remake that came out in the 80s that was a remake of a 1950s film that we've done on this podcast was The Fly, David Cronenberg. I still is, think The Thing is better. The Thing, the personally, thing is... Personally. <laughs> the Thing personally. is... Personally. Uh, no, The Thing is great. It, it really is. I, I wouldn't really argue that unless I was going to play Devil's Advocate that The Thing is the better remake. Um, I like The Thing We can make a mini-episode out of it, which we can bring up. We can debate. Oh, we should. <laughs> yeah, 80s remakes of 50s movies. 100%. Or just like remakes, or just remakes in general that are like that are better. Oh yeah, you can find a lot of those. I think, mm-hmm. well, not a lot of them, but I think you can find some good ones in the horror genre for sure. Some remakes, which this one is, which I think, you know, people don't. It doesn't get the clout, especially as the thing or the fly. It kind of goes no. under the radar. It's not on that level. No, not at all. Um, I feel like a lot of horror remakes really don't get a lot of recognition because, like. We make them such a bad reputation, um, because people think they're like, oh, Hollywood's out of ideas or whatever. They've been doing remakes since like literally the beginning of Hollywood, like, uh-huh. and even like before that, it's just like, okay, the first movies were based off of plays or whatever, or based off stories or like 
folk tale. So like, what really is like an original idea? Like that's so like arbitrary. Mm-hmm. That's true. I'd agree, and I think a couple things that might help with the success of a remake. One is actually seeing it and seeing, you know, how does it divert from the remake, but like marketing it, it would help to sell a remake, I think, if people don't know the original as much. And I just, I mean in the sense that, like the thing was really popular, the remake. Um, And the fly is, um, but I don't think, at least the thing remake, the original wasn't as well known. Where I just feel like the blob is such a cultural... People, even if you haven't seen it, I think you know it. You know of the blob. Yeah. You know that it's like this force, this, this pink-looking jam substance that is just slowly um, devouring people. And that might be a hard sell for people to be like, oh, we're making a remake of that. Compared to, you know, we're remaking Halloween. Which, oh, you can do something cool with that. It's, you can do whatever. From a marketing sense. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, marketing remakes is definitely... A whole other ball game. <laughs> we'll keep that for our other podcast. Um, yeah, marketing tips for cinema. Yeah, uh, just it's a remake. We, we've established that um, as we go into it. Pete, I, I would throw this to you first and foremost. Then you've seen the original, correct? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Are there are there any things that were strikingly different from the original that you can remember, uh, or is it like a straight f- faithful remake? I I feel like the eighties one adds a lot of differences i it's hard for me to remember the 50s one since it's been a long time but i feel like you know we're gonna be jumping around a little bit like i don't remember like an evil scientist in the 50s one yeah like i feel like that layer is added um the crazy priest is added um like i feel like yeah the 50s blob was really gimmicky like, I think that was, like, another, like, 3D movie at the time, I want to say. Because um, I feel like, you know, they tried to have, like, I wanted to say they wanted to have, like, an interactive audience. Like, it's one of those movies where, like, they try and, like, scare people out of the theater. It's, like, one of those experiences. For the 50s one, you were saying? For the 50s one, yeah. <laughs> that's least that that's what I feel like the vibe is for that, and it's, like, now I feel like it's kind of seen as, like, a movie so bad it's good, because it's just, like, it's so slow, and just, like, everyone's acting is bad, and then you got Steve McQueen, who's, like, a well-known actor in the movie. So it's got, like, a lot of things, it's got, like, a lot of different things going for it. Definitely. I think one of the the bigger things that I can think of, uh, let's see. Well, one to your point, the scientist stuff was, I don't think, it was, I think, like, the difference there was, like, the blob was just an alien from space, and this one, it's more, uh... A scientific experiment. Exactly, like the government yes. is on it. Yeah. Sort of thing. You guys, like, knew right away that we couldn't trust them, right? Like, I feel like it was so obvious. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember how I felt the first time. I feel like they casted him pretty well, because I feel like he seems like such an endearing scientist. Like, because he's just, like, an old man with a beard that's a scientist. I don't know. It's just like, oh, like, I believe him. And then he's just like, I'm evil, motherfucker. <laughs> like, he just, like, turns on a dime. He's just like, there are no will be casualties. Like, he just, like, has, <laughs> gives no fucks. 
I think I'm just scarred from like ET when I see those people in the hazmat. Yeah, like, yeah. ET definitely like. No yeah, ET definitely like. <laughs> definitely like changed a lot of people's perspectives as scientists. <laughs> as we're speaking of, of him, I, I'm watching him on the screen right now. This is the first time they're meeting the scientist. I heard what Meadows, I think, is his name. If yeah, I'm remembering correctly. That yes. sounds right. Um, Flag and Meg. Meg is with him. Who's our our main, one of our main protagonists, other than her and Flag. Were you guys surprised? Sorry, Matt, to cut you off. Are you, were you done with that thought? Yeah, that was it. That was it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, were you guys surprised that, like, you know, like, the the main guy, like, I feel like they almost give you, like, a bait and switch a little bit with, like, uh, the high school popular football boy in the beginning. Like, he's with his, like, creepy best friend and like talking about sleeping with girls or whatever and then they like like the the one that's nicer dies first that's I know. Like, going after the girl but like seems like a generally nice guy and then his douchey friend dies like 10 minutes later or some shit <laughs> like i feel like that's yeah. kind of surpri- it's kind of surprising that he is i believe the first kill cuz they I guess the second go because the homeless man dies first. Yeah, that wasn't, uh, I didn't care for that on a personal <laughs> level, you know, because that's not how it should go. But I think, um, in terms of like, okay, maybe you didn't expect him to be the first to go. That was a good turn. But it, it was kind of a bummer because he seemed nice. I kind of liked it because I feel like it kind of like made it different from like the usual mold. And like right. he he's such a square and then like you got like Matt Dillon's brother, he's like, I'm a fucking cool guy, I know how to fix motorcycles and I gotta mow it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I like, mean I think it was No, go ahead. Okay. Um, all I was gonna say is that kinda it's not quite the same level as like Drew Barrymore being killed first, like within the first ten minutes of Scream, but mm-hmm. it kinda, you know, it's nice to that it's not so predictable. Yeah, I would say it, it, it's similar to like what Lizzie's saying about uh, the screen beginning because I do think because the screen beginning is like you know she's a high build cast member she she's killed and it's also supposed to be like you know meta to Janet Lee being killed in Psycho like she was a main character who got killed off early. I do think this one killed the the Jack guy we like the most because it was trying to undercut the original the original blob. Where, like, Steve McQueen was, like, the clean-cut guy or whatever. Sure. And he, you know, he's the main guy moving throughout the movie. And then in, in this one, you might think that's going to be the guy. And you're like, no, no, no. This outsider rebel is going to be more of our protagonist. It's not going to be the conformist status quo person who's leading the movie in this 80s one. That's 50s, you know, stuff. That's 50s movies. This is an 80s movie where it's got to be... The cool guy with a mullet and an earring. Our unlikely hero, Kevin Dillon. Exactly, yeah. So, I think they were trying to do that to the original. Switch it up a bit. Good point. Make it a little different than the the one they were copying. Yeah, I'm glad. I think they did enough, like, changes to really make it different from the original. And I think that's obviously one. I I think another point that that they keep with the original is one the home the homeless guy who kind of finds the meteorite first that's a a small nugget but also the movie theater scene that's a big one yeah um, that's, that's my like favorite the, yeah the iconic blob scene the movie theater 
uh, is kept in this movie as well. I like the sewer scene a lot. I know this is jumping. I like the sewer scene a lot. And we could dive into that more if you want to. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Another character I was surprised is I was surprised the sheriff died. I feel like they were trying to, you know, the sheriff and the waitress, you know, they were like, you know, they seem like they're going to have like a thing. And like, they're like, no, just kidding. They're both dead. (laughs) (laughs) You thought. In that scene. Where the sheriff, I thought, very kind of unceremoniously was kind of absorbed into the, you know, the blob. You don't even see it. Yeah, he's just in the blob. And you're kind of, I thought, building him up pretty well as like a three-dimensional character that you're going to care about throughout this movie. uh, Just in the blob. But the scene where Fran is killed in the payphone, I thought was really well done. Yeah. Like just tension building as it's like slowly enveloping the payphone and like seeping in. Just like explodes into it. Yeah, like, she like implodes into it. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And and that should be pointed out. The special effects, yes, are better in 88 um, than the 50s version, but definitely gorier and like body yes. horror type like death, like flesh is being ripped away from people and there wasn't um, too much gore, I feel like, in 50s movies. I mean, like, obviously oh, there's, like... I thought you were going to say this movie. Yeah. I was like, no, oh, like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's got nothing on Dead Alive. That's that true. is true. But, yeah, I, I think, like, obviously, like, things are a lot more stricter in the 50s with, like... the. I'm sure the code was still in effect then, wasn't it? I think so. I think it was on its way out, but it was still there. Um, in the, definitely in 58. Yeah, I thought so. Code. Um, and it, I feel like the 60s obviously like started to really change that, especially with like, oh god, I can't even remember his name, but he's like a prominent like pioneer of horror, and like he, like, even like, I think it's like Blood Feast is like his first big one, you know, who I'm talking about oh, Blood Feast, I know them, yeah, I can't remember 1963. Yeah. Uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yep, that's him. Yeah, I feel like that's like, that's when I think Gore was really starting to like, become prominent in horror. I feel like he kind of like, I want to say he pioneered that. I want to say, I want to say that's, that's the fact. I could be wrong though. Gore, more gore in this one compared to the 50s. You were saying it because the production code was less. Um, That was definitely jarring, but I guess I should have expected it. Knowing it was like late '80s splatter heaven. Yeah, like I mean, like the height, heaven. the height of practical effects in film. I feel like is late '80s, early '90s until like, you know, like CGI yeah. was really was when CGI got cheaper. Obviously, I think it, I think I want to say mid '90s. I don't know. I'm just taking a guess. It started becoming more affordable. Yeah, I think I was just talking about this actually. I think species. That movie in the nineties is one of the first ones to really integrate some some CGI into a horror film. I think. Do you remember that one at all? I think it was like let's see that one, Species. I've actually never seen. I've never seen Species actually. Yeah, Neither have I. That one really started to incorporate CGI instead of practical effects. That was ninety five. Um, but yeah, this time is definitely that's a good point to make. Practical effects. Thing had it. The fly had it. This movie definitely has it, and I, I'm a big fan of those practical effects. I think it looks yeah, super gross, like compared yeah. to the CGI. Like, I'm a big sucker for practical effects, and I always love when like movies 
lend on practical effects and then use like obviously like cgi to like help things blend better like always like a you know a combo never too heavy on cgi because then it it just dates in like two years yeah and what is the other the other way of that if you do too much of it is the uncanny valley is that the term for it where it looks too real but people can tell something's off about it so they it's off-putting rather than like uh you know it may look real yeah it's just i guess that's what it's called right the uncanny valley it's supposed to look real it looks real but people know something's off so it's just off-putting and it doesn't really work to the effect that you want like i think people have heard of that term before you haven't no i haven't i think people used it a lot i know it's been around for a while but like with the new lion king like the live action one they made yes Mm, yes that's a really good example i think it's like that sort of animation where people are like, uh, I don't know why this isn't working. Because like it looks super well, like CGI, but you can tell something's yeah. off, kind of. Because it, it doesn't like, compute in your head. Like there's a, there's a yeah. there's a line between animation and a person. And I think Beowulf was another one that was like the live action one. That yeah, that was weird. With Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Or Final Fantasy was another one. Yeah. Yes, Final Fantasy for sure. Back to Lion King for a second. Is that like? Like, I know, like, a lot of people... I haven't seen it, the live-action one. But I know, like, people, it's like... You know, it's... I know they want to make it probably for an older audience, but it's, like, based off such, like, a beloved kids movie where, like, there's a lot of emotion and, like, singing. And, like, you can't really convey that if a lion is real-looking. You know what I mean? It's just, like, where where do you draw the line? It's just, like... You know, right. I haven't seen Aladdin, but I feel like they're able to probably express that better in Aladdin because it's not based off something that's real. Yeah. You know, they, they can make a CGI genie, like, be fun and, like, have emotions and stuff. And it's Will Smith's face on, like, a yeah. genie is a human-like. So it's it's easy enough to do that. But when everything's like a lion or a warthog or a meerkat, you know, things uh, might not <laughs> translate as well. We're not used yeah. to that. But there was no Uncanny Valley in the Blob 88. Um, you know, some of the, there was some green screen in there that I thought, you know, didn't really work as well. But a lot of the practical yeah. effects I thought were, were great when there was uh-huh. the practical Blob. Yeah, it, you could definitely tell when the green screen was happening. I just, like, yeah. couldn't, like... It's just that I feel like now when a green... Like, it is blended so well now, like, in, like, the high budget... You know, like, in the Marvel movies, they're just able to, like make it look like it's just right there. Like, it's kind of crazy how many layers it goes to, like, all this editing process. Yeah, yeah we've right? come a long way. Most definitely. And I remember uh, as an Oscars a few years back where a guy was kind of, in his acceptance speech, kind of, like, railing the industry. Like, even though they won an award, they are talking about, you know, the people who do CGI and the computer-generated uh, images do a lot for these movies. And, like, they don't get the credit or anything like there's no award for it like cgi work it's like sound editing and directing and costume but it's like those guys should get awards because half the movies you see that like the camera like you said marvel is a it's a set it's a green screen and they've like created wakanda they've created wakanda and everybody's yeah. like oh yeah that looks like you know just a field somewhere but they've generated that it's like that needs recognition and like stunts yeah and like I mean, fucking, what's his name? From all the, um, yeah, what's his name? Alex Jones. How he has 
no Oscar, and he's just been or what's his name? Like, who's the other big mocap guy? What's his name? Um, I'm not sure. He played Gollum. He oh, played Andy Caesar. Andy yeah. Circus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how do those two not have Oscars? Right. Um, like that's insane. <laughs> Andy Circus, you know, has done. He was in, you, know, you said Caesar, Planet of the Apes. He was in, what, Star Wars, Gollum, um, and several others. Yeah, he, he, he sells those movies. Um, 100%. So we'll get on that. We'll have a petition in the forums later. Sign it. We'll send it over to the Academy. We'll get them <laughs> some recognition right away. No worries there. And <laughs> as we kind of roll out the, the practical effects, um, it was Tony Gardner. I just want to mention... Mentioned his name. I have some notes. He's the guy who did it. Um, I'm going to flip back to him. Tony Gardner. I mean, you, you might not know his name. Tony Gardner. But I just wanted to. Yeah. Um, there he is. Tony Gardner. Um, he did work on. His first thing was Three Amigos, but then he did The Blob, this one. The Adams Family is a big one. The Bodyguard. Army of Darkness. Uh, Hocus Pocus, Batman and Robin, <gasps> something about Mary, Wild Wild West, Osmosis Jones, Shallow House, SpongeBob SquarePants movie, Hairspray, Zombieland, Zombieland Two, and Freaky, the movie you just watched. Oh yeah, and, and several. There's 127 hours. He did the, the work for that too. So that is, so is very that pretty impressive. Good, pretty good yeah. career is what you're telling me. Yeah, there's plenty of other ones that I, I just skipped over, but yeah, I mean. I think he gets a shout out. He was the makeup effects designer, puppeteer for a lot of those movies that uh, we've all seen, or at least many people have seen. Yeah, I mean, he definitely listed a lot of like very successful movies that people love. Yeah, so that's Tony Gardner for you, and uh, he's pretty good in the Blob as well. Were there any moments in this film for this is for both of you um, that were genuinely, I guess, scary for you? That's part one. But if not part one. If nothing really scared you, I want to know, was there any of the effects that, like, grossed you out that you thought were some pretty good, mm. like, <laughs> grotesque body horror? I would say, I think when the server, like, they're first, like, it's, like, in the drain, and it's, like, and it sucks that uh, dishwasher guy, like, through mm. the drain. Like, I think that's, like, actually pretty scary. And also gross, but there's like I mean, there's a lot of gross parts about this movie. Um, I think when they first take the 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 football guy, because he really is like being slowly like dragged away and like being his flesh is like being eaten when he's yeah. like dragged away. Like I would say, is those those are the two scenes for me. Yeah. Um. I wasn't really too scared, I don't think, but definitely one of the grosser scenes for me was that car scene with, like, kind of a jerk friend, I think, and then the girl he was on a date with, um, and then she kind of just turned into, uh... Oh, yeah. I don't even really know what happened there, but it, that was pretty gross when he, the blob, uh... like... No, God, sorry. No, no, please explain, because I'm lost. no. How I took it is that, like, obviously he was, like, going too far, and, like, the blob at that point, like, was absorbing her body and just, like, whipped through her body, I think is, like, Mm. how I took it. 
Okay. That's the best. That's the best explanation I got. <laughs> yeah. No, that was wild. That was within, I think, the first, uh, first or second act. Yeah, that was pretty early in the movie. It was like yeah. within like thirty minutes. Yeah. Okay. Good, then yeah. Good, good riddance to that guy. That was pretty. Yeah. <laughs> they always they always gotta kill the creepy bad people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just kind of curious. Yeah, a lot of it was more grotesque than scary. But then with that, I, I was wondering what you guys thought like the tone of the film was. I, if you weren't really scared, do you think it was trying to be funny or like things just came off funny? Like was it trying to be sort of like slapstick or things just came off <sighs> funny that were meant to be scary? That's a great question because I feel like it's really hard. Like I feel like for horror – Cause like I feel like people usually want it to be scary. I want to say, but like I want to say like since like that was such like a prominent decade for horror that like being funny wasn't necessarily like not looked down upon or like because like every character is like fucking ridiculous and like I'm sure it was ridiculous in the eighties. <laughs> it's not like things weren't like ridiculous then because like he's just like i don't know i feel like this the fact that he's so like into motorcycles is funny to me i don't know why like he's like like he's he's such like a an like a stereotype it's like hilarious to me i think it tries to be um funny in some regards um you know there's that uh buying condom scene at the beginning of the movie that uh, yeah that's true that scene is pretty ridiculous yeah um but yeah, that was that was really awkward, but kind of funny, uh, for sure. And then, uh, I, you just have to watch it to understand. <laughs> I, Especially I with the priest, with the priest coming in, <laughs> it, just, it just really sells it. Yeah, I genuinely laughed at that that jo- the one bit where it's like the camera angle is like over the shoulder of the jerk dude, and he's like trying to sell that he's buying the condoms for his friend over there for. A girl he's going to see, and they like zoom into the guy. Like, come on already! I can't keep this girl waiting already. And, <laughs> and he kind of just like shrugs at the camera. Like, yeah. see, he's and a that was that was really funny. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> he was like perfect. He, he couldn't have said anything better for me right there. Right, <laughs> and of course, of course, he was the dad. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 like ten minutes later, it's just like newspaper down. Hey. <laughs> Kind of surprised he rib. still let the daughter go out with him, honestly. That's a very good point. Yeah, they still went out. I feel like that should have been a conversation like, no. This guy's a sexual <laughs> Yeah, that's idiot. not happening. There's no way you're going out with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I yeah, there are definitely, I think, some moments of uh, humor spread throughout uh, this movie. No, I 100% agree with Lindsay. I, I do feel like uh, Chuck Russell, who wrote this alongside, I forget the other co-writer's name with him, that it was very tongue-in-cheek, like, they wanted to make a remake, they wanted to change it up a bit, and were very aware of how silly the first one was, and, like, we're, we're working in that comedy into, like, maybe some of, like, the stereotypes or over-dramatizations of these characters, like you said, Pete, to make them kind of, you know, hyperbolic and funny, um, but then the the deaths, I thought, were really grotesque, so, like, maybe that yeah. has the horror element, where, like, the... The movie's kind of, like, the story's lighthearted in the characters, but then it's juxtapositioned with, like, these really brutal deaths. Um, I feel like that really just 
I feel like when you just, like, put those two things together, you just get a cult movie automatically. Like, because, like, like, some people, I probably at the time, like, just didn't know what it was because it was just, like, oh, you got, like, like you're saying, just, like, too many, like, just a position for this movie to be taken seriously. And then you just, like, have this, like, small group of people are like, I fucking love this movie. And then it just, like, gets carried throughout the generations, just, like, earning more love for it. Yeah, 100%. I think this is, like, a great October Halloween movie if you're, like, looking to do a marathon of, like, a bunch of, like, just splatter movies or whatever. This is on the list. Like, if you're putting... Uh-huh. Late 80s. Definitely has its place. Yeah, 100%. And I, just to round out that, you know, tongue-in-cheek, I think the writers knew what they were doing. You go to the movie scene where it's a, it's a... They're mimicking what the original did, but these kids are watching a movie that's, like, parodying, like, a Jason film or whatever. Oh, yeah. I always forget about them, because, like, 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 he's, like, sneaking off to his friend's house, but they're really going to see this movie that his mom specifically told him not to see. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you don't see him for, like, a long time, then you see him at the movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I literally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that really sealed it for me, I think, that scene. That was fun, yeah. And, and you got the guy, like, explaining, like, everything that's about to happen. <laughs> you're, gonna love it. you're gonna love it. Yeah. And then the kid is just like, hey, shut up! <laughs> and he's, like, almost gonna get kicked out by his friend or whatever. Or his, I think it's his brother? I don't remember. It was Eddie's brother was not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he almost pulled the George Costanza at those guys and said, you know, you guys are gonna shut up and I'll shut you up and I'll take you outside in the yeah. opposite George episode. <laughs> to bring it full circle then, there is a Seinfeld reference that I found in this movie. Pete, did you pick up on it? It's not I don't know. It, it's it's an actor. I'll say it's an actor. It's not like a Seinfeld reference to the show. It's really I can't remember. Yeah. It's Crazy Joe DeVola. He's one really? Of the sci- he's one of the scientists. I was watching this with Ashley. Oh he, my god. He was the one on the computer that was like, yeah, it's here in Midtown or whatever. And I was like, Crazy Joe DeVola? <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh man. Seinfeld was made Was he dressed like a clown? No, he was not by Pagliacci. He was not dressed yeah. like him. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up before we kind of, if we have trivia or Defender Destroy horror reference the actress who played Meg in this movie that's our main protagonist character that's Shawnee Smith I believe is her name she plays Amanda in the Saw series she's like the main, main Amanda in those movies if you've watched them from like, from like the first one um, so if you can remember her character she's like she like works works with Jigsaw in the second one in the third one uh, I knew she looked familiar so she's prevalent in the Saw series I don't remember her I haven't seen she in the first so one yeah, she's in the first one. She's the one. Who, she's the first, the only one who survives the trap. She's the only the only person they found that survived one of his traps. Okay, I vaguely remember her now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's a prominent actress in the Saw series. And I have one more piece of information. Before I do that, I would throw it to Lindsay if you have any trivia or production uh, trivia. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> so this movie is kind of, I guess, like known low key as like a conspiracy theory movie. Um, okay. So I guess there was like, I don't know if it was closer to the time, probably um, there was like some rumor, I guess, um, 
that, like within the end credits, um, I'm going to quote IMDb because I just, there's no better way to say this. So there was like a disclaimer saying, quote, the blob contains a purely fictional account of a group of ruthless and corrupt military agents. These characters do not represent the United States government, and it would be erroneous and unfair to suggest that they do. The vast majority of North American Armed Forces personnel have demonstrated the utmost moral sense, regard for civilian welfare, and worthiness of the public trust. So, uh, that's a lot right there. But yeah, I, I don't I, I don't think this was ever confirmed to be true. I personally didn't stick around and watch the credits because I just don't really do that. But uh, I yeah. think it could I think it could be true because like obviously the United States government has a lot of power, and mm-hmm. I mean they have deals with like every Disney movie. You know, like being like every Disney movie has to betray them in a good light. I don't know if you are familiar with this. <laughs> Or like Actually, how, I'm nodding like I know, but I don't know. Tell me more. Or like how another thing is that like um, a bad guy cannot have an iPhone. Yeah. Every bad guy has an Android. <laughs> like, like it's like very clearly an Android. Like I think Apple has a deal that like literally no bad guy can have an iPhone. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even know that. On that note. Um... <laughs> So, going back to that, uh, I just think this is hilarious. I didn't really get details, um, but the whole, again, uh, condom buying scene at the pharmacy, apparently, um, that was inspired from some sort of real-life event uh, from the director. So, uh, <laughs> can you imagine, like, what um, real-life stuff with that? Yeah, so I think that's great. Um, but yeah, again, didn't get details. But uh, I don't think we really need them. So. Well, the biggest yeah. detail is if Chuck Russell's the director, which character was he in that scene? Right. Was he the <laughs> That's jerk? That's the real question. <laughs> was he the jerk guy? <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. I, yeah. It was from when he was in high school. I know that. So it's like a 50 50 shot. Yeah. He could have been either one. <laughs> um, and then the last thing I um, had was uh, you know how in the beginning of the movie we're kind of led to believe that there's like uh there's not much going on in this town it's kind of like abandoned and depressing looking but i guess like they were just trying to misdirect us because everyone was at the football game of the high school like team or whatever yeah um that's true i'm like yeah you guys got me i thought uh this is going a different direction but uh that's how dedicated everyone was i think back then too um People really were into the school spirit thing. I think also just small towns, like, yeah. Obviously, it's weird to us, but small towns are really into football, especially high school football high games. School, yeah. When, mm-hmm. like, you know, especially when your state doesn't have uh, a professional football team, like, high school and college football means a lot more. That's true. Like, Alabama, people go nuts for the college because there's no professional team there. Like, they, like, yeah. Cheat the college like a professional like professional. like Friday Night Lights it's like you know yeah. the high school football game is like a big deal to the whole town yeah that's all I got for trivia though it, you bring up an interesting like the, the opening shots were like a de, maybe depressed or quiet town like something's lurking there so everybody's quiet or like boarded up um, there was like shots of a church I felt like you know, not I felt like I saw them I saw the church and I was like okay is there gonna be like a religious element to this film like, what is going to be the undertone of the blob? And there is the priest character, 
But I don't think that like religion doesn't play like an, a really underlying theme until the end, mm-hmm. uh, where it kind of almost sets up for a sequel. To this movie. Absolutely. Like there might be a sequel where the priest releases the blob that he has in like a little glass case onto the world as like the rapture that he's been describing for years. Do you think they ever attended a sequel or do you think they just did it for fun? I think definitely there was the hopes of a sequel because I I feel like without, like there's no reason to have that priest in there and like have that because like the religion didn't play an undertone. I thought like maybe the whole town would be like, oh, you know, it's, uh, it is the rapture or something. and it's, He's like the only one. Exactly. He's the only <laughs> one until the end where he's like, oh, I'm going to release it. It's like, oh, so they're setting him up to be a second one. Like he's gone insane from it. He, what he has been describing, he's going to release on the world. Um, it'll be a blob too, but just from a different angle or how it got there. But that's the ending of the blob. Um, and it didn't have a sequel. As we just mentioned, it didn't have a sequel. Still waiting. <laughs> Still waiting and hoping. Well, yeah, it's been almost, it's been over 20 years, so maybe when it's 30 years, I'll make another one. They'll reboot it again, because that's coming up shortly. I mean, what, seven years? Third, wait, no. Oh, wait, no. It's already been 30 years. Yeah, it's, it's been 30 years. It's been 30 years. Oh, my <laughs> God, they didn't make it. Never mind, we're, we're never getting blocked, too. I don't I, um... <laughs> Chances are slim to none. You never know. Maybe uh... we should make it. Jordan Peele might want it, you know, he's making Candyman. Maybe he's a big Not fan that of I would love. See. People are the stairs. We don't know. That's what he's doing. Yeah. I, I just want him to I just want him to do a lot of stuff. I just want him to <laughs> remake horror just movies. Do stuff. Just do stuff. Keep doing, doing it. Stuff. Jordan. Do more key and peel, I don't care. <laughs> well sadly there was no blob too, but I just wanted to throw to you guys real quick. This wasn't a you know, a commercial box office success. I think it had a $10 million budget or so. Um, it only made about $8 million um, at the box office, so it wasn't really a success. But I just wanted to throw to you guys, uh, real quick, this is a fun little trivia for you, if you can guess any of these. It came out in August of 88, so it was right before the fall season. It was the 16th highest grossing movie in August of 88. Do you guys think you can guess any of the movies that were above it? You know, any movie that was above the blob. They That's, live. No. There is a horror movie. There's at least one horror movie. That, uh, that was number five. It came out in August of 88. 88. Man. Uh, Sorry. Oh, I good. mean, it, it could be like Friday the 13th. It could be a nightmare or a Halloween because I think they all <laughs> have one in 88, honestly. It probably could be. But this is August of '88, so it's one month. But I'll give you hints on the first. The first highest-grossing movie starred Tom Cruise, and the second top-grossing uh, movie starred Bruce Willis. This top so no, is, Top Gun was not '88. Correct. Yeah, not '88. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I was. I was actually going to say Top no. Gun. No, it was not Risky Business before. either. It's a cocktail. 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 <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have ever guessed that. August of '88 was. I don't know why. One. I don't know why I had that was the gut feeling. <laughs> well, it beat out. Uh, Die Hard was number two. The first Die Hard. Okay, and that who, sounds right. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Cocktail a fish, a fish beat one. Die Hard in the box office by ten million. Oh my god! I think when did Top Gun come out? Before '88. It had to been. 
86. I think it was 86. I think it's it's Tom Cruise fever. Like, I think he's top gun. He didn't do Days of, Days of Thunder at that point, too. And so it's his new movie. It's a summer movie. And Die Hard is Bruce Willis, who's big, but I think it's just, it was an interesting concept. That he wasn't big at that time. He was just like, he was just like, yeah, he's yeah. coming off of Moonlighting. Um, so, like, he's not a well known yet. Like, that's like his first big movie. First movie, maybe even. That's true. That's probably his first, yeah, big iconic one, Bruce Willis, 88. Okay. Yeah. But this, it just surprised me how many movies that came out in that month that were. Who Framed Robert Raddett, uh, Fish Called Wanda, Nightmare on Elm Street 4. That was the horror one. Okay. Coming to America, Young Guns, Big, Bambi, Bull Durham, all August of 88. So, wow. Wow. That's a crazy month. Yeah. And that's just, yeah, there's probably more, but that's like, those are the ones above it that beat out the blob. So it would have been hard for the blob. It would have been hard for the blob yeah. to be successful. <laughs> when you're a uh, little game totally off topic and i'm really sorry okay if you yeah <laughs> sure listen to blank check at all they talk about like like year in film fucking 1999 is a crazy year in film if you think about it you got six sense you got the <clears throat> matrix you got fucking um galaxy quest and yeah blair witch like i like it, it's like insane like how many great movies came out that year that's that's what Cruel I want intentions, to say. Intentions, American Beauty, Girl right. Interrupted. It's a crazy year. That's a good it's year. a crazy year to film. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll take that up on our next podcast where we just yeah. do. Yeah, each episode is a year of films. Okay. Man, 2012 was a good year. <laughs> yes, it was. It was a good year in film. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I always I always remember thinking that. I want to say Inception. That was a little before. I think that was 2010. I remember yes. high, high school when that came out. Like, we were going, we were starting yes. college. Mm, that was crazy. Right. Yeah. 2012 was like, I'm trying to think, 2012, The Artist would have came out around that year. Oh, oh that yeah. one, Best Picture. Like, that it did. Frame. Moneyball. Uh, I go by, what was that? Oh, what was in the Oscars? Because then I can kind of put myself, I think Shame came out that year. I really like that, that, that movie, but that's a different topic for a different time. That's a Michael Fassbender joint. But I, I think if we don't have anything else, we can kind of conclude with Defender Destroy here. Um, 1988's The Blob. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let's take it away. All right. That'll be you, Lizzie. Would you start us off? We've reached the conclusion of the podcast. Congratulations on making it all the way. You have one final challenge. The terrible trio will decide whether this movie passes the test. Choose wisely. Defend or destroy. Sure. So, I think, yeah, there's a little bit of a cheese factor here, but, um, you know, again, we kind of... Sorry, sorry, I just wrote in the chat. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of a movie in 2012. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Is it a little bit campy? Is it a little bit cheesy? Yes. Um, that's what I love about it. I think that's what 80s movie dreams are made of. I really like the young Kevin Dillon. Um, again, playing kind of our uh, protagonist that we didn't really see coming necessarily. Um, I thought it was enjoyable and it really embodied um, a lot of what we think of when we think of 80s horror flicks. Um, so 
it's a defend for me. I really um, enjoyed it. One defend. Pete, do you want to go next? Yeah. Um, I obviously defend this movie. It's uh, right up my alley. I feel like if people know me, they know that I love campy horror movies from the 80s. Especially, like, I mean, great practical effects, you know, it's hard for me not to like this movie. You know, it's just, it's got all the right ingredients. And then like, you got the little, like, con- it has a conspiracy angle, too, to it, because it's like the government, it's like, you know, doing all this testing on this crazy experiment to beat the Russians or whatever. It's got yeah. good stuff. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's two, de- two defense. Yeah, so I had never seen it. Um, so I was intrigued, went into it, no, the blob, scene 58. I will say, I thought the practical effects were really well. Um, I love practical effects, like, you know, Pete Pete loves them in the 80s as well. I enjoyed the practical effects. I enjoyed even the humor. It wasn't it wasn't a complete meta movie by any means, like, you know, aware that it's a horror movie or whatnot, but enough that it, like, knew it was a remake of The Blob, and it was, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, kind of poking fun at, you know, that Jason movie you were talking about in the movie theater. It kept enough to the original, and I actually ended up enjoying it. I thought I didn't really think a remake of The Blob would be good. I thought, like, oh, The Blob was silly in and of itself, but I thought the writing um, uh, was well done in this movie, um, that they changed it enough from the original. Um, absolutely. Practical effects were great, and it's a fun 80s, late 80s-like splatter movie, for sure. A lot of gore. Um, you'll get that. So it's it's a fun time. And I definitely think it's underrated. Underrated um, in the horror genre and it's like a remake movie. Um, which I was pleasantly surprised by. So I'll defend. Not bad. Unanimous. I wonder how many unanimous is here. Unanimous defense. But... I was keeping track of that, actually. Yeah. So, Matt, you know it's really funny? I was right about each big horror franchise having a movie out in 88. Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Amber Elm Street all had movies out in 88. Of course they did. That was the heyday. Everybody had to get get one in. I feel like Nightmare on Elm Street was turning them out every year. It would have been every year since the first one, because 88 would have been four years after Risen. Nightmare yeah. was doing that all the, year after year after year. Good but, time to be a horror fan. But I think that'll round out um, this week's episode on The Blob 1988. Get at us on our, our website, our Twitter, Facebook. We are on there. Uh, listen to us and subscribe. We're on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Check us out on there. Uh, we're on Spotify. I think it's the first time I can say that since we've recorded. Um, you know, leave us a review. Yes, Matt people. put us on Spotify, everyone. Did I talk to their board of directors and we are on. I think they, uh, they signed off on us. Pretty tense meeting, but they're pretty cool guys after we're sitting down with it. <laughs> they're playing hardball. <laughs> Thank for you sure. for taking the liberty. <laughs> So like yeah. you gotta sign this contract. <laughs> yeah, I still sold over my soul. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but we'll see. We'll see how the podcast had does. A, whatever. You had the you had to do guitar solo against the double. I know. I did. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's part of their contract. Yeah. They have the devil on retainer to play solo. <laughs> hey, that's just what happens. That's what you have to business. do. But until then. Um, let us know if there's any mini episodes or movies you want us to do. Check out the Green Knight trailer. Maybe I'll date us by the time this is out. Go watch the Green Knight trailer. And until next time, I'm Matt Johnson. And I will remain in the shadows of the movie theater hiding from the blob. I will be be hiding behind that newspaper with a creepy headline on <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. 
I'm out of ideas. So that's that. <laughs>